Yes, yes, yes. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the Pilgrimage Podcast. My name is Joshua Luke Smith, and this is a space for the curious, creative, contemplative souls. It's good to be together again. So I'm about to jump into a brand new episode, something I've been mulling over for a little while. Some practices that kept me going in 2020. Some thoughts that rooted and grounded me in some very tumultuous times. Before I get into it, I want to do a huge shout out to all the Pilgrimage Co. subscribers. You are keeping this podcast going. You are encouraging me. I'm so grateful for you. I want to let you know this. Towards the end of April, I'm going to be announcing that we are leveling up on what it means to be a Pilgrimage Co. subscriber. The things that I hear most from people that listen to this podcast in terms of what they would love to see more of is a community aspect where people can actually engage with one another and also spaces to dive in deeper to some of the concepts and conversations we're having around this podcast. So I'm going to go into more detail when we're closer to launching, but the Pilgrimage Co. is about to, it's about to level up. It's about to level up. I'm talking more conversations. I'm talking courses. I'm talking practices. I'm talking community. I'm talking a fully fledged space for us to be more connected and more invested into the journey of being a pilgrim. So we're going to be diving into that more and more over the coming weeks. But for now, without further ado, let me bring this new episode to you. Oh, there you are. You know, as this new year has started to take shape and grasp a bit of form, and we've been able to see light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to some of the some of the restrictions we've been experiencing throughout 2020 i've just been reflective about that which did sustain me through 2020 just personally the things that helped me get through the the days that we were living in and honestly this podcast episode is a simple one but I just wanted to share some of the practices that more than anything have kept me present to the moment that I'm in and have been living through. The more that you dive into the spiritual path, the more that you investigate and learn and glean from those older than us, those who have walked the path for longer, the wisdom traditions, you realize that the real crux of true spiritual fulfillment is being able to be absolutely and utterly present in the moment that you are, aware of the presence of the divine, giving to those amongst you, rooted and grounded in yourself, to be free of distraction, to be free of insecurity, to be free of the bondage and the weight that feels we so easily carry throughout our life to ultimately be free and be here just where we are as we are. It's so, it's so easy to kind of have this idea, this impression that fulfillment and satisfaction is this grand moment, this climactic moment of your life. But actually true fulfillment is just every day 
being fully experienced, bearing witness to the wonder and the beauty and all that comes with the moments that you're living through. And uh, 2020 was a year that we just tried to get through. We tried to survive. And in many respects, that's all it could have been. You know, there was so much taken from us. Kara and I, my wife and I lived through this year where we had a baby and it was just phenomenal. I've got this gorgeous little girl at home, my daughter Eden, but we're living in the reality that Kara's parents haven't met her yet, you know? What a, what a crazy experience that to, to be in a pandemic and realize the cost of this for some people has been their life, has been, you know, family members and friends. And for us, it's been, we haven't, we haven't actually been able to, to see Kara's family and and let them hold and meet their grand grandchild and you know it's just it's just been real and you all listening to this have your own experience and all I want to share here is some thoughts that help me not just not just strive to survive but actually live in a posture of receiving and live in a posture of bearing witness to the wonder and the beauty that um that life still was able to offer you know even in those valleys that we were walking through so a lot of this has to do with grounding ourselves in the moment that we're in. So often I found I lurch from this position that really isn't rooted and grounded into a conversation, into you know, a day of work, into prayer. And without being rooted, without being grounded, without fully recognizing where I'm doing it from, what I go on to do, whether it's a conversation with a friend or whether it's a, you know, a, a task or whether it's prayer, the experience I have isn't just less fulfilling. It can actually be damaging. It can feel really bewildering to go into something and feel like you are not connected into yourself and into your surroundings and into the moment can, can have a huge impact like you ever get to the the end of a day and just feel like today was today was rough today was a bad day and if someone asks you why why was it a bad day you can't put your finger on it there was nothing that actually happened that day that made it bad it wasn't that you fell out with a friend it wasn't that you found out that you know something terrible had happened necessarily you just felt off you felt off center all day and sometimes I forget, sometimes we forget that we are in motion. We are human beings. We are not static objects. There is a lot going on in our minds, in our emotions, and in our physical bodies every single millisecond of every second of every minute of every day of every week of every month of every year. It's constantly in motion. We are constantly in motion. And so to not have practices that engage with those areas of who we are and find a center point and to find a grounding point, it just can be really destructive and can really add to a lot of the chaos that's around us. It's so fascinating how important it is to locate yourself. It sounds so bizarre because you're like, Josh, I'm listening to this sat in my car. I know where I am. I'm listening to this sat on my bed. I know where I am. And my question is, do you? Because a lot of the time, I don't. <laughs> and I can only presume that I'm not the only one out there who feels like this sometimes. That if I really ask myself, where are you? The answer 
isn't always truly accurate and authentic because I haven't always had the means to answer it. So there's a story right at the beginning of the scriptures, of the Hebrew scriptures. I'm talking thousands of years old story. And it's, it's the, uh, the, the story of, of creation. And if you know the story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sweep through this, but if you know the, the story roughly, you'll know that the Hebrew poem Genesis tells us of this, this, this creation story, how God spoke into the nothingness, the black nothingness, the chaos, let there be light. And from that moment, the whole wonder of creation started unfolding to the point there were human beings and God develops this relationship of trust with the human beings and the human beings break it. And the, the story goes that God would walk with the humans in the cool of the night. God would, in the cool of the day, sorry, God would walk with mankind as friends. And one day God is coming to walk with his friends, but his friends, knowing that they've done something wrong, knowing that they've betrayed him, knowing that they've broken trust, hide themselves from God. And so God speaks out, where are you? Where are you? As if trying to find them, where are you? But of course, we know that God is, is infinite, all-knowing, you know, omnipresent everywhere at one time. God hasn't lost them, but God has acknowledged that they have lost themselves. And perhaps it's the same with us. Perhaps when we act in ways that betray the purest expression of our humanity, it's not because we're a bad person, you know, that kind of very limited, boring, restrictive language. You're bad. You're good. No, no, no. Perhaps it's because at times we lose sight of ourselves and we don't know where we are. If you've ever been driving or walking or cycling or whatever from one place to another in a new city, you get out your phone and you go on maps and you type in the destination to try and, you know, find the correct navigation to where you're going. And it's all centered around this blue dot. And this blue dot represents you. So you can see the, you know, the directions left, right. But those directions don't mean anything without the blue dot. Unless you have the blue dot, you can't see where you are in relationship to the, to the turnings. So without knowing where you are, everything else on the map doesn't make any sense. And if you don't have that blue dot, it's going to lead to more reckless navigation. I'm going to turn left here. I'm going to turn right here. I'm just going to, you know, you're not going to feel as clear, as aware of where you are as you would by saying, oh, there I am. Oh, there I am. You get to go to a, to a zoo or, or a museum back in the day when we could do that stuff and, or a shopping center and you're trying to find a specific place. And so you go to the map and the biggest sign, the biggest thing on the sign says, here you are, you know, this is where you are in relationship to everything else. Now, everywhere else makes sense because this is where you are. And I think what I've been learning, that is exactly what I need to be doing multiple times a day. And it brings such a deep sense of centeredness and rootedness in my being that everything that comes out of me from that point is so much clearer and so so much more simple and so much more true to who I am. Do you ever leave a conversation with someone or a situation where you feel, hear me out here, where you feel like you betrayed yourself a little bit? I do. There's been times I've left the conversation and I've made a joke or I've said a comment or I haven't said something and I felt, Josh, that's, 
that's not who you are. Whether it's the, the ego, the desire and the drive in me to, to, to prove something or whether it's the shame that actually muffles my voice. I leave and I feel like that's, that's not who you are. These process, the process of centering, of grounding myself, of being able to say, oh, there you are, multiple times a day has honestly brought that feeling of not representing myself, myself, you know, it's brought that feeling down so much. It's made it so, so rare. And, and I just want to share some, some stories and a couple practices that hopefully might help you to do the same thing. Because if we don't live here, we'll never ever experience there. If we don't live here, we'll never experience there. Whatever there is for you. There could be a plan you have next week. There could be an image of who you are in 10 years time. There could be the holiday you missed last year but want to go on this year. There could be the career, the pivotal career moment where you get a promotion. There could be climbing up on stage and winning a Grammy. You know, there could be holding your child for the first time. There could be getting married. There is whatever it is in you that is anticipating this place of fulfillment and joy in a particular experience. And unless we're here, we'll never truly experience there because guess what? There is always going to be another here. <laughs> we are living right now in the there of our past self. When I get there, oh, but we are there now and it's here. <laughs> and until we experience here, we'll never ever experience there. And I, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been lost, separated from a group of people. Maybe when you were young, it always happened to me as a child in like a shopping center where I would go off looking at something and I'd kind of lose where my parents were. And you have this moment of panic. And so you start shouting their name, you know, mom, mom, dad, dad. Or perhaps they're shouting your name and they're looking for you. And either way, once you hear your name being shout it out, your response is, I am here. You know, mom, mom, mom. She replies with, I'm here, I'm here. And that sense of I'm here in response to your name being called, I think is one of the most profound ways to approach so much of our spiritual life, particularly prayer. So often with prayer, we can launch in to this, what can feel like a one-way conversation, as if we're just speaking words out into the abyss, into the, the nothingness, into the space, just saying things, rather than speaking from a posture where our name has already been called and our first response to prayer is, I'm here. This is where I am. I'm here. I'm praying from here. I'm creating from here. I'm having this conversation from here, you know? And there's this story, again, in the Hebrew scriptures, thousands of years old. It's in the book of Samuel that I'll paraphrase for you. I love it so much. It's a story of, of Samuel who was a young boy raised in the temple. And he was raised in the temple because his mother devoted him to God to become a man that would 
that would do God's will, that would speak into the heart of society, culture, people with the word, the clarity, the rule of God. And he did just that. He became this incredible prophet that was actually the one that prophesied over young shepherd boy, David, who became the king of Israel. And he's an amazing man, an incredible story. And it begins with him in the temple as a, as a child being raised under the watchful eye of the priest, Eli. Are you still with me? So Eli is raising him effectively. He's doing this kind of apprenticeship under Eli. And there's this amazing story right at the beginning of his life where he goes to sleep and it says that he's sleeping uh, in the temple near the ark. So basically the place where it was believed God's presence was dwelling, right? And he goes and he sleeps there. And in the middle of the night, he hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. So you imagine he's this young boy in the temple and he hears his name. The only other person there is the priest. So he runs into the, the room of Eli and he says, yes, Eli, you called me. What do you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to, go back to bed. And so he goes back to bed, but it happens again. So he goes back to Eli, same thing. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so the third time it happens, Eli realizes that it's God speaking. So he says this to him. He says, go back to bed, and when you hear your name called again, say, yes, Lord, I am listening. And so it says, Samuel goes back to bed, and God says his name again, Samuel, Samuel. And his reply this time is, yes, Lord, I am listening. Some translations say, yes, I am here, speak to me. And it, it speaks to me, like that scripture speaks to me because Samuel's response is my response so often. When God speaks, which so often is the deepest part of who you are resonating, the depth of what it means to be you, the truest expression of you resonating. It isn't this audible voice being spoken into the room and the clouds part. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the depth of who you are, the truest, deepest part of you having a sense about something. You know, we talk about it. Oh man, I just had a gut reaction. Oh, I just felt it deep in my gut that it was right. Well, the scriptures say, the psalmist says, your deep speaks to my deep, <laughs> right? And I am convinced that the divine speaks to us, fellow pilgrims upon the path, often at the center of our being, in the center of our being. And the scriptures talk about the peace that passes understanding. I attribute the peace that I have in my life to being the voice of God in my life. When I say I felt God say to do something, it's because despite conflict around me, despite changing circumstances around me, despite the risk involved, I will say I felt peace. I felt peace. And it's peace that passes understanding. And if we want the peace that passes understanding, we have to go beyond our logic and our reasoning into a deeper awareness and a deeper, you know, understanding of that moment, deep calling to deep. But I relate to Samuel because so often when I feel that depth being resonated with, that depth in me, I will so often 
respond with going to an expression of something in my life that can give me an immediate answer, an immediate sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. Let me, let me, let me share it like this. Sometimes I feel an uncomfortable recognition of how I could have done something better. I could have done something with more integrity, with more humility, with more centeredness, all right? I'm aware of that. But what I'll do next feeds my appetite for immediate gratification or satisfaction. And that could be anything from scrolling the gram, putting on a show, spending time with someone that I know doesn't stir up within me a deeper sense of conviction, the easy way out. And what I'm seeing Samuel do here is go to the place that is most obviously going to give him a response. And what Eli says to Samuel is, no, it's not me. It's not me. You are learning here, Samuel, to engage with a much deeper part of who you are, a deeper sense of conviction, a deeper sense of joy, a deeper sense of meaning and being present. That's where you're going now. That's where you're heading towards. And the way to access that is to respond to the sense, the gut feeling, the peace, the conviction, the joy with a simple statement of, yes, I'm here, I'm listening. I'm slowing down. I'm not running ahead. I'm not distracting myself. I'm not finding instant gratification in other places. I'm waiting and I'm gonna respond to this feeling with, I'm here and I'm listening. And what's crazy in the story is that God speaks to Samuel about exactly what he's gonna do and what his plans effectively for the whole nation are. And he speaks to him about Eli as well. It's, it's a profound story. Anyway, so often we're living unfulfilled because we haven't located ourselves to, to the extent that we can acknowledge where we are and then be open in the moment to hear the more, the deeper revelations of our soul. I spent quite a bit of time in 2020 getting counseling. And one thing that my counselor would ask me is, Josh, where are you? Where are you? At the beginning of the session, and, and, and initially I found it difficult because it was so obvious. I'm sat in my spare room at my desk in front of you on a Zoom call. But what I realized as I was speaking about at the beginning of, the, uh, of this podcast is, well, there's, there's three main areas of me. It's my, it's my soul, it's my emotions, it's my thoughts, and it's my physical body. And what you're asking me to do here is, locate myself in all three expressions to then be actually able to have an integrated and authentic conversation. And so I just want to encourage you to ask these three questions to yourself. Ready? Where am I in my emotions? Where am I in my emotions? What do I feel? Every morning I, I, I open up my journal to a blank page and the question at the top says, Joshua, what do you feel? And I write it out. No judgment. What do you feel? What are the emotions that you feel? And something that my wife, Kara, talks about a lot is, is expanding our vocabulary around emotions. So you might want to initially write, I, I feel sad, 
but perhaps there's, there's a thesaurus that you can bring to that moment. Do you, do you feel sad? Or perhaps do you feel lonely? Or perhaps do you feel disappointed? You know, do you feel angry? Or do you actually feel betrayed? What do you feel? Do you feel happy? Do you feel happy? Or do you actually feel fulfilled? You know, expand the emotional language. That's something I've been learning to do throughout last year and it's bringing me so much inner interior health to say, this is what I feel. This is where I am in my emotions. Here I am. I'm right here. I'm not indifferent. I'm not suppressed. I'm here. I am disappointed. That is what I feel. All right. Okay. Well, where am I in my thoughts? So the scripture, the scriptures talk about taking thoughts captive, not allowing our thoughts to, to run us, you know, not allowing our thoughts to just be here, there and everywhere, but actually to take them captive, to, to hold them, to restrain them, to acknowledge them, to say, this is what my thought pattern is right now. My thoughts are anxious. My thoughts are clear. My thoughts are, what What do you think? Because what you think and what you feel can be two completely different things. I could begin a day and in my thoughts, I could be really preoccupied with thinking about a meeting I have at 3 p.m. And so my thoughts are totally around this meeting at 3 p.m. and this conversation I'm going to have, which could be really helpful and progressive in terms of some creative projects I have on the go. That That's my thoughts are consumed in that meeting. I'm in that meeting right now, okay? But I, if I ask myself what I feel, well, I could say I feel, I feel lonely today. I feel lonely today. So are those two things connected? Potentially not whatsoever, but I think and feel them both. They're happening at the exact same time and I've located myself. So my, my thoughts are preoccupied about the meeting at 3 p.m., my thoughts are very strategic. My thoughts are, you know, thinking through communication, thinking through the particulars of that conversation. That's what my thoughts are. But my feelings, my feelings are, well, they're based around the loneliness that I felt in not being able to have the time with friends that I've wanted to have, with not being able to have conversations that I hope to have had. You know, there's two different things happening there, but I've located them, okay. What about my body? What does my body feel? What's going on in my body? Like, well, it could be as something as simple as, well, in my right leg, I've got this kind of, this ache. Because I think I might have overstretched the other day. Or perhaps I woke up and my back just feels slightly out of joint. Or it could be more meta and you could say, in my body, I feel, I feel dissatisfied. Or in my body, I feel really strong and I feel really able. And in my body and in my thoughts and in my emotions, I have located myself. This is where I am. I could take a step back and say, oh, oh, there you are. There you are. If someone called my name, I could say, here I am. This is where I am right now. So whatever happens next, whether it's a conversation with a friend, whether it's sitting down at my desk to do some work, whether it's playing with my daughter, whether it's praying, I know where I'm doing it from. I'm not hurtling down this hill on a bicycle without brakes. 
just hoping that I hit something to actually be able to locate myself. But I'm beginning with a posture of presentness, availability. That's the thing about when you know where you are, you can be adaptable. If you're driving again, let me just use this analogy a little further. You're driving and someone calls you and says, hey, could you meet me here? But you don't know where you are. I don't know if I can meet you. I don't know if I'm five hours away from you. I have no idea where I am. But if someone says, hey, could you meet me here in half an hour? Yeah, I'm 20 minutes away. I'll see you there. Once you know where you are, you are more available. You are more adaptable. You are more secure. And there's no judgment in it. You could locate where you are and recognize, actually, this is, this is a tough time. This is a tough time. So now I know how to appropriately care for myself. I know that in my thoughts, I'm anxious. I know that in my feelings, I'm sad. I know that in my body, I'm run down. Okay, so the best thing to do would probably be get some rest and have some really soulful conversations. Sometimes in my body, I'm like, oh, I feel, I feel slothful. And something I've learned is that movement produces motivation. So I'm gonna do some burpees. Do I want to? Not really, but I'd rather feel the pain of a burpee than the apathy of sloth. So I'm gonna go do that. And I'm gonna feel the motivation as I move, you know? Locating myself actually sets me up <laughs> for deeper satisfaction and deeper fulfillment. Oh, there you are. Oh, there you are. There you are, Josh. I lost you for a little bit, but there you are. Give it a go, my friends. Ask yourself those questions. Where are you? In your thoughts, in your emotions, in your bodies. Take a step back and then look at yourself and just simply say, oh, there you are. <laughs>